0: Driving the Future is a podcast about where the automotive industry is going and how not only to keep up with the rapidly changing business, but to shape it. Fueled by such factors as the digital revolution and customer expectations, the automotive industry is changing lanes. Increasingly, OEMs are looking to respond to sustainability issues and introduce software-based mobility solutions question they face is whether to build upon legacy infrastructure and technology or start fresh and build from the ground up. Using existing infrastructure and technology, so-called brownfield solutions, can be faster, cheaper, and easier in the short term than the fresh start greenfield solutions. But in the long term, they would have to be rebuilt. And the longer you wait to rebuild, the more costly it's going to be. This is called technical debt, and when to pay that debt is a big question facing OEMs today.
1: On the engineering side of the manufacturing, there's a huge level of technical debt related to factories' infrastructure. Our customers, they all have invested heavily in factory buildings, manufacturing assembly lines, and so on. We work with brownfield sites more than greenfield ones. In greenfield situations, there are plenty of opportunities for smart factory solutions, improving the management of the IT, the OT, and so on. But with a Bramfield site, on the other hand, it's quite a challenge to do those things.
0: That is Fabienne Lefebvre, the Center of Excellence leader for Capgemini Engineering.
1: Managements of the legacy infrastructure always present additional hurdles in the roadmap of the transformation of our customers at these Brownfield sites, you're still trying to achieve at least elements of digital transformation and industry 4.0. But you need to go on delivering the return on investment while that's happening. I'd even say you can't really unleash the full power of digital transformation when you're stuck with your legacy infrastructure.
0: But building a new factory doesn't necessarily rid you of all that legacy infrastructure altogether.
1: Even Greenfield projects have to deal with some of that legacy, as long as brownfield sites still exist within the automotive industry. As as a matter of fact, although you're implementing new architecture and new manufacturing execution system, you might have to connect DATS with all manufacturing plants and to manage a new, old legacy system interface at a global level. Or you might have to continue using existing legacy solutions that can limit the efficiency and the benefits of your transformation.
0: One of the implications of legacy infrastructure and technology is that it makes it harder for OEMs to become more sustainable. Frank Wamis, a global account executive at Capgemini explains.
2: We know that particularly in the automotive industry, they're very heavily scrutinized on the impact that they have on uh, the environmental uh, situation. And one of the things that of course they want to achieve is is being net zero as soon as possible. But if you have all your infrastructure running uh, on your uh, on your sites, not able to share workloads, perhaps have even way more uh, as what we call iron running. Then what you should have then of course this will also not help and your it footprint or your your co2 footprint will also be high so actually indeed looking from a different perspective towards this this infrastructure renewal uh from an from an application renewal point of view but also with in mind the future technologies and sustainability then you were you are really uh, taking the right uh step ahead but but it's very difficult because as you said You have to deal with brownfields that you cannot just,
0: you know, switch over overnight towards new situations. This environmental impact of the legacy versus new question doesn't only apply to the manufacturing process, but vehicles themselves and the infrastructure needed to keep them on the road.
1: Despite the shift towards EVs, we we still need to continue leveraging the investments in the uh, thermal IC engine. Partly uh, because consumers will keep using ICE vehicles for a long time uh, to come, uh, in some regions at least, uh, such as others than the European Union. We we have some interesting engineering solutions in this area. Uh, one could be H2 burn, which enables an IC to burn hydrogen. In that way, the only emissions from combustion are mainly water and hot air. But This type of options is worth considering because it means that you can move towards a more sustainable future while looking after your existing investments and maintaining it. For example, uh, despite the shift towards software-defined vehicles, there will be cars driving around with monolithic legacy architecture. So there will be on the road two generations of architecture at the same time, which raises for our customers some big, big questions.
2: Yeah, and can you imagine, eh, Fabienne, Indeed, that you have to make sure that you have your talents and your knowledge on those different architectures always in place. So that also will bring, I think, a lot of costs sometimes with it as well.
0: This leaves automakers with two options, either a complete rip and replace or to make the changes in a slower phased approach.
1: We can, in fact, either help the customer replace their existing PLM solutions with a new one, or we can find new ways to use an existing solution. This is exactly what we aim at through our PLM LAMs. If a customer chooses to replace, we aim to use as much as we can of the shared solutions as far as possible to minimize the investment. On the other hand, if they prefer to stay with their existing solutions, then we can take advantage of its APIs to imitate as far as possible what could be done with a new solution. There isn't, in fact, a single right answer there. We need to adapt to each customer's. we talk to each business about what his needs are and advise the best strategy based on those specific requirements. But either way, the objective is always to minimize the investment required to achieve that customer's digital continuity goals in the right time frame with the right outcomes as well.
0: Frank continues.
2: So I think the, the, the automotive industry has always been an industry where, of course, new models come in. You have to make sure that the, the, the new, new models can be maintained. But it was always a hardware question. So how do I make sure that I actually have enough of my old material in stock so that in the future, if something goes wrong with the car, you know, you can actually change it? Now we are able, uh, in the future as well, of course, with over-the-air updates, we can deploy new software continuously. But how do I now make sure that it's always deployed towards the right car? Do I, uh, am I able to actually uh, maintain and and register what the old versions is? And I think that question makes it much more uh, uh, interesting. And uh, to Fabienne's point, you know, PLM has become so instrumental in order to actually start managing this but uh, but it definitely uh, has a has a lot of attention in the in the automotive market right now
0: no matter how many optimizations there are however legacy technology will place limitations on transformation fabian explains
1: car makers they have a huge and complex burden of the existing legacy it ot assets uh, in brownfield plants and that burden clearly limits their flexibility and agility and they need to find ways to evolve the architecture of both the data platform and manufacturing lines to make them scalable, flexible and future-proof so that they can really reuse and leverage to the maximum level of the investment they've done. They need to enable simple and fast integration of scope and technology changes.
0: OEMs need to make sure they have an integration layer that allows them to develop front-end or in-car solutions based on new technologies such as AI, but without having to compromise the back-end.
2: That requires an investment in integration, or you start investing really in how do I then, in a phase process, actually get rid of of the legacy application. I think it really is the ones that become masterful in either that integration layer or having a very aggressive uh, phase out of their legacy, those will be winners in the marketplace. But again, here you see that the investments that have been done in the past in the legacy application are so immense uh, that whilst also so much investments have to be done in the car development, in the software in the car development, et cetera, I see that it not always gets the right level of attention or the right priority of some of our clients to actually start uh, getting rid of that
0: legacy. There are implications for managing data and having the correct data architecture.
2: Infrastructure renewal and application modernization are two things that companies to become more agile uh, towards the future. It all comes down to what is the data model underlying it. And one of the complexities that I see within uh, Automotus, and there's almost no exception on it, Is that they have so many different applications from the past, also driven a bit from the culture within the automotive industry that you would build everything yourself, that there is no coherent data model underneath it. Data is becoming even so much more important because it's no longer only data in the enterprise functions, but it is in the convergence from the data in the car with the back office where the need for the quality of your data uh, uh, architecture actually becomes even more important.
0: Regarding the addition of mixed-generation intelligence into existing equipment, there's a question of whether that's simply a quick fix or if it can be a long-term solution and how OEMs can get started with it.
2: You can already start with a lot of things. And actually, it could also be as an accelerator. For instance, think about AR headsets or goggles uh, to make people more uh, efficient and make them augmented operators. I recently saw a startup that basically uses cameras where they track uh, whether all uh, uh, activities that a operator needs to perform on the car, whether that actually was already done. Uh, We already have working applications where uh, on a tray, where all the different components that needs to be uh, introduced uh, actually is scanned so that they can see whether all the material is there before it's brought to the production line. Because... Uh, most of the time, you know, somebody forgets something, and then it takes a lot of time to uh, to revisit, and actually takes a slowdown into the production line. So a lot of you know visual inspection uh, enhancement of people, making them smarter with AR, etc., is definitely something which is already in uh, in the venue ma- manufacturing sites and can actually be increased. The interesting part, of course, is the more you want to uh, bring those kind of technologies in. You can tie that into the discussion with the manufacturing uh, director to say, okay, but we, we can actually take it to the next level if you also allow me to do some other things. So we actually deliberately uh, at our clients, for instance, talk about smart factory initiatives, which are extremely pragmatic. We can already do it in the existing uh, um, situation that they are in, but by doing a couple of them, they start seeing what the potential is in, you know, renewing things um, um, and, 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 and renewing the software potentially on their equipment. So I actually think it, it is a good trade-off uh, and it also brings uh, already potentially benefits in. And then the question is if you can bring some of the benefits and those savings, you set those aside for your renewal. So they not just put it into the profitability of the of the company. Try to make the benefits and the savings that we achieve by already applying these kind of new technologies, but set them aside for the renewal, because then basically it pays for itself.
0: You can create the best solution in the world, but if you don't have the people with the right profiles to implement it, it's not going to work. There's one other area in which OEMs face issues around the concept of legacy, and this is around the skills gap. Frank offers some ideas about what companies can do when existing skill sets don't exactly match a company's evolving needs. To attract the right innovative talent,
2: particularly around software, they can spin off specialist uh, startup-like companies. Huh? Do people always want to work for one company? And to be quite honest, we actually have a joint venture with one of the automotive companies where it was all about can Capgemini or that automotive company alone attract the right talent, or can we create a new cool company that actually taps into talent, which normally would not join one of those two uh, companies? Uh, and that is definitely something that we uh, that we can actually do um, as well. You know, can we even use AI as an additional team member? Again, as I already said, you know, you can use technology, uh, visual inspection, etc., to enhance the capabilities of what people
0: want. Fabienne continues.
1: The automotive market uh, is facing a revolution, a revolution which is underpinned by the clean technology, sustainable future, by advancing connectivity and shifting uh, mobility. And um, clearly, our legacy car manufacturers, they now want to become what they call mobility tech companies. They need to redirect their business models toward a technology, uh, sustainable and mobility to be positioned in the end as a key player in the global new mobility value chain. And um, that requires uh, for them uh, to find the right skills to be able to address the next generation requirements of product developments, which is around EV, which is around autonomous vehicle, uh, which is around software development. And there's a key challenge for them. And um, that's where they need to kind of reallocate their internal resources to focus more on the core and uh, critical activities, which will contribute to create the true differentiation from their competitors while still having to deliver and maintain the the legacy. And um, to be able to, to invest in this transformation, as you were explaining previously, they need to spend less on the legacy And to optimize the context uh, to be able to develop and grow uh, the core. And there, I think uh, we already have the opportunity to help them, not only in upskilling their internal engineering teams, not only in um, bringing to them the latest um, expertise related to digital technologies, such as AI you were mentioning, Frank, but as well helping them transform their legacy activity to make it more efficient so that they can invest more in their core and future.
0: All of this raises the issue of when to collaborate. Some projects can be done with collaboration partners and some can be outsourced completely.
2: One of the things that we also see, but that, that, that is something really scary for automotive companies as well, is, you know, what are the different ways of how you collaborate? Because, of course, collaboration could be, you know, a traditional form of outsourcing where you basically said, OK, you know, just, you know, somebody else is going to do that work. Something that we definitely saw uh, traditionally in the enterprise and uh, the enterprise software. But now you can also think about, you know, can we create a app development platform where actually others are going to build on top of the platform that we provide? So we don't have to build anything anymore, but actually others are going to build on behalf of us. So I think about sharing data with third-party software companies, helping them to provide in-car services via an app store. I don't have to provide all the services. Somebody else can do it. And, and perhaps also in partition with competitors and operating systems and what we now see is that certain companies don't buy uh, build their own uh, uh car software anymore for instance they rely on uh the Apple in CarPlay and uh, I don't know if you have seen it but with the latest uh, uh the last uh, app uh, or sorry last Apple uh, keynote uh, the the new software that they showed where actually Apple can integrate completely all the experiences from the phone into the display on the car is a very good example of that but it requires a shift away from that legacy mindset. We see that the car is not so much only the thing that people are procuring, but potentially it's much more the services that comes around the car. The size and the completeness of the ecosystem may become the real differentiator. You know, we ex- and therefore we also expect autom- automakers to start allowing or even welcoming third-party software inside the vehicle. So that will be a very interesting uh development to see go forward on what are the companies that still want to develop everything themselves or are going to rely more on that collaboration ecosystem.
0: Fabienne continues.
1: We've seen then partnering with hyperscalers and startups to be able to create new revenue streams by offering new services. Uh, they are all clearly uh, trying to radically change mindsets and uh, how they operate to create value. Uh, all about today um, about customer centricity, content and data centricity. It's about shifting to a product life centric mindset, as you were explaining previously, uh, thanks to the upgrade. It's considering the full vehicle lifetime in their business model and business case. Uh, All that supported by agility, uh, rapid iteration, innovations in in the services, in the features developments. So I think that uh, they've already engaged, I would say, deeply in this transformation and um, uh, nevertheless still have to manage the legacy.
0: Amidst all these changes, Frank suggests there are three core things an automaker should keep as core.
2: One is, of course, what is now the experience that you want to bring? What are the new business models? You need to think about where are we going to? That's something that you know, I would not rely to a consulting firm to determine for you. That is something that should be your core business. The second thing is strengthen your architecture capabilities. It is all about having the ability to look from an enterprise architecture perspective, but then can drill it down to the right solution architecture. And I think the companies that actually really invest in that give that the right priority within uh, their organization will be the winners, will be the ones that actually can get rid of the legacy and move forward in, uh, in the renewal. And the third, and that comes a bit to the last topic that we discussed, is perhaps new vendor enablement managers, You know who are the ones that really can start building partnerships with the ecosystem in order that you actually can leverage the best and you keep it in an integrated way still. I think th- those are the three um, role uh, types of uh, competencies that I uh, wished to see in a very successful automotive company.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Driving the Future. A big thank you to our guests, Frank Wamis and Fabienne Lefevre. For more information on legacy transformation, check out the link in the show notes. We'll see you next time on Driving the Future.